Today, it's The DC Dilemma, part two of our comic book movie mayhem series. Today, we are going to try and do our very best to look forward. There's no, there's no secret that DC has had a difficult year, a rough year, uh, some of which just could not be avoided uh, as, the, as they have moved, kind of moved the old aside to make way for the new. And what is on the horizon? What does mighty James Gunn have planned? Uh, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm very excited. I'm excited for a new Superman, and you should be too. And we examine all of it on a brand new episode of Observations. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Observations. I am your host, Rob Liefeld. I have been making comic books for the last 38 years. I have been consuming comic books for what feels like my entire life, 1974, seven years old, pulling comic books off the spinner rack, those beautiful, squeaky spinner racks. I I can't get enough of them. If I could time travel back to those 7-Elevens, those... uh, those those drugstores, that liquor store, those those supermarkets, and and uh, turn those spinner racks again and grab those comics for the very first time. I would do it in a heartbeat. There are few things I love more than a good comic book, but uh, but one of them is talking about good comic books and good comic book topics, and that's what we do here on Rob's Observations. We talk about comic books, superheroes, so uh, much of which affects our everyday lives now. They're on every damn streaming platform. They're on pretty much every network. Remember the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. days of ABC, the ABC network? I mean, they're everywhere. They're the big budget movies. Uh, and, and that's where we've kind of parked our focus these last two episodes is we have discussed the current state of the comic book movie, which is not great. As of as of 2023, I would probably give this the uh, overall this last year, the lowest grade of any of of the last decade in terms of comic book films, or or, or slightly beyond that, clearly, I I, I would uh, this new age that we're living in, this MCU age, began as I've as in, in my opinion, as I've stated here a couple times, in 2008 with Iron Man. It was when Marvel took control of their own destiny. They were no longer uh, going to rely only on what Sony and Fox were putting out, and in some instances, New Line, and they took uh, they took their destiny in their own hands. And so 2008 is where I peg it. So we're going to continue that today. Uh, if you have never listened to the show, again, we we just can, we, we talk about comic books, pop culture, uh, the Im, the imprint that that I've seen superheroes and comic books have on the culture across my lifetime. Again, it's 1974, seven years old. Fantastic Four, 147. Uh, 148, 149. One, I mean, 150. Uh, th- th- these these early Marvel comic books uh, just had such an impact on me and created a lifetime of addiction. They are my passion. I, I talk about consuming comic books, not collecting comic books. The value of a comic is an afterthought to me. It's it's the entertainment value that I've gotten out of decades of watching these characters grow and some of their greatest conflicts and uh, comic books that have made me cry, comic books that have scared me, comic books that have made me want to go out and 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 run, you know, run a mile in a record. I'm, I'm so amped with energy over, over something that I just read. I really do put the highest premium on comics. I am fortunate enough that I have made comics. If you have bought a comic book of mine over my 38 uh, year career, I thank you. I appreciate you. I cannot express to you my gratitude enough. We are really in a business where we you know, make these comic books. We make these 
graphic novels, these graphic images, tell these stories so that, uh, you know, the consumer then kind of has, has our career in, in their hands. And you've had my career in your hands uh, for, again, 38 years. And I, I just appreciate you so much for supporting me. Currently, I have a comic book coming out called Deadpool Batterblood, the uh, second issue of Deadpool Batterblood, Deadpool Batterblood number one, uh, sold out. When it went on sale early June, the second issue and the second print of the first issue are both hitting on the same day at fine comic stores everywhere. You can find that the week of uh, July 19th is when the adventure continues. Uh, the, the series runs five issues. Hopefully, it'll then get collected in two different uh, hardcover and softcover formats for you to enjoy. But currently, it is shipping uh, one chapter, one issue per per month. And so the July issue, issue number two, is is right around the bend, and I would just encourage you to grab it early and often. Uh, issue number one sold out the same day it was released, and which is uh, great when you've been doing this for 38 years. That 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 that's that's great news to hear. And again, I thank you guys so very much. Uh, we do all sorts of stuff on this show. Uh, we 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 backload it with with lots of information and, and, and sometimes some some corrections and some addendums, but we're going to jump right back into where we left off with our last episode, which is discussing the comic book movie mayhem. We did Marvel Comics in our first part, and we really came to the conclusion, I came to the conclusion, shared with you that a lot of the experimentation that I think was encouraged by the success of some of the lesser tier characters. Doctor Strange, Ant-Man are definitely lesser tier. That doesn't mean they're any, you know, greater than um, Iron Man or Thor or Wolverine in, in your estimation and maybe your appreciation, but certainly to the greater, you know, public at large, Ant-Man and Doctor Strange were not as familiar to people as, let's say, Captain America, Spider-Man, Hulk. Uh, certainly Iron Man and Thor had to educate, you know, a... a, a a fresh public on their importance in the comic book world. We knew they were important, but those movies needed to work. They did work, but then it opened up the door and Kevin Feige looking to build his empire without uh, Spider-Man, the X-Men, Fantastic Four, continued to plunder the Marvel library and give us Ant-Man. It worked. Ant-Man Wasp, it worked. Doctor Strange, it worked. He was having tremendous success, so why not keep experimenting because that's how you build your assets. That's how you build things out. You, you wouldn't have gotten Guardians of the Galaxy which I, I would argue with you as a comic book aficionado uh, my entire life, I would I would definitely argue with you that Guardians of the Galaxy had a steeper climb than both Ant-Man and Doctor Strange. But because of its outer space sci-fi setting, it had a, uh, a chance at a broader audience if the right creative you know elements were were assembled. And they were. James Gunn just crushed it. He absolutely crushed it with that first Guardians of the Galaxy as we, as we, as we covered, which just exploded onto the scene in 2014. I've, I've said this several times. My second viewing, I took my family, my, my daughter sat next to me at Cinema City, no longer open, just, just recently closed, a really great uh, Orange County, beloved Orange County uh, movie theater. But again, sign of the times, theaters are struggling. A big, giant, new uh, Regal IMAX opened, op- opened in our area and has uh, made it through the pandemic and is only growing stronger and has become the preferred theater. It sucks, but Cinema City is where I saw... 2014 Guardians of the Galaxy, a Sunday afternoon of the opening weekend when it opened, and my daughter looked up at me with her big saucer eyes and said, I am Groot, as the credits rolled. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this movie has connected with my youngest daughter. My oldest was 14. My 
uh, youngest son was 12 and my daughter at that time was 11 and she was just flat out eating it up. Actually, she was 10. She was 10 years old in August or late July of, uh, of 2014. So I'd say that was one of the biggest swings. And so it opened up this area for uh, experimentation and that continued with Shang-Chi, with the Black Widow prequel, with the Eternals, with so much of what you've been seeing on Disney Plus with Moon Knight, with Werewolf by Night, with She-Hulk. But our conclusion... The conclusion that I shared in the first part of the Marvel episode is that the future looks bright for Marvel, given that uh, Deadpool 3 is underway. I was on the set. I can tell you, I think I, I told you that what I believe that fans are looking for are movies that matter, and I believe that Deadpool will matter. My safe my my, my safe three words, I think even Deadpool would uh, approve of like our safe words, Deadpool will matter. That's all I can say. I think World War Hulk, or now that they're calling it New World, I'm sorry, it, it was never called World War Hulk. It's now called, I think, New World Order, is that it? Uh, Captain America 4 with Anthony Mackie, with Harrison Ford uh, in it. I believe that is going to matter. I think Captain America 4 will matter. I think what, what audiences are looking for is to now revisit some of their favorites, some of the uh, old standbys, some of the old reliables. And certainly you're getting that with both Deadpool, which, to be fair, Deadpool will have had six years between uh, movies. That's a long wait, but also that builds anticipation. Hugh Jackman... Uh, will have not been Wolverine for seven years because 2017 was when Logan came out. So you've got some really uh, big anticipation where they're concerned and also with Captain America as well. So so Marvel uh, has, in 2024, I think that's where they're going to reignite the fever. Uh, certainly the pandemic was, was not any help whatsoever to these films as they look to kind of find their sea legs. But I think the experimental phase of trying to launch brand new franchises is going to take a backseat to the, you know, existing blockbusters. And you can certainly argue that both Captain America and Deadpool are two of the Marvel brands, even though this will be Deadpool's first MCU entry, certainly as a Marvel brand at Fox, uh, it was their most successful movie that they had ever made in, in the superhero realm. Captain America, those movies always seem to deliver. So fingers crossed, everything with Marvel is going to continue to, um, I think, reset, get back on course to the same place that they were in the Endgame era with two giant entries next summer. The road may be a little rocky getting there. Certainly, you know, uh, May 3rd is, is not, you know, just around the corner. It's it's a good 10 months away. We got to wait. But, but I think that the way that these movies, both movies, I think you're going to see a lot of both Marvel's big summer 2024 entries with the Captain America 4 and Deadpool 3. I think you're going to see a ton of, uh, of build-up trailers, great ad campaigns that put those square in our sights and, and get our focus on those early on. But today, it's about DC, the DC dilemma, and they do have a dilemma. They absolutely 100% have a dilemma. We feel it. We read about it all the time. It is um, sadly, because I feel sad for these people. Look, I'm going to tell you right now, making movies employs a bunch of people, a lot of people, huge amounts. You know, you see those key grip, gaffer, the sound guy, the tech guy. Hey, the driver matters. Somebody's got to get everybody to set and get them home the minute, you know, they, 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 they yell, you know, cut for the final frame of the day and they've been shooting all day and going into overtime. It takes a village to make these things. So when they don't do well, it's it's terribly disappointing. And uh, in my kind of mid midlife, I was a little more cynical. Now I am definitely so much more empathetic to everyone 
who makes these uh, movies. I mean, again, uh, some of you may know my, my son, Chase Liefeld, did uh, a Disney movie called Chank and Dunk. It came out in March on the Disney Channel. It was there uh, as, as, as of this afternoon when I checked. Uh, Wolfpack is a series that he was on on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, th- those crews, those people, they worked hard, up close, personal. Now I've got family that does this. So it is not easy to uh, watch movies not succeed. And it certainly has been a difficult period for uh, DC. And I would I would cite that it's been a difficult period since the uh, Robert Pattinson, Matt Reeves Batman film came out and, let's be honest, exceeded expectations. Uh, it was a reboot. Again, look, look, look at, I mean, if you go back to 1989 and you go and you count Michael Keaton and you count Val Kilmer and you count George Clooney and then you, you go Christian Bale, then you go Ben Affleck. And, and and then we land on <clears throat> Robert Pattinson. I mean, guys, you know, that's a lot of Batman. And and people love to throw in the voice actors and the animated stuff. Great. Good good on you. You do that. I'm, I'm literally talking live action. I know also in the Titans cartoon, there was a Bruce Wayne, someone who depicted himself uh, as as uh, Batman. I think it was Sir Jorah, Sir Jorah from uh, Game of Thrones was was Bruce Wayne in the Titans uh, live action show on, a, on HBO Max or now what they call Max. Uh but a lot of Batman, just a whole lot of Batman. So it was a brand new reset. But you had Matt Reeves, who is uh, by every shake of the stick, uh, visionary filmmaker. Those Planet of the Apes movies were fantastic. Uh, his collaborations with J.J. Abrams are fantastic. The guy is definitely a filmmaker of note. He has a vision. Uh, he is a very accomplished storyteller. And Batman with Robert Pattinson, the Batman, whatever it was called, uh, you, you guys know what I'm talking about because I keep saying the Robert Pattinson, Matt Reeves, Batman uh, looks to have been the biggest success that DC has had in the last, certainly what will what will appear to be two years time. It was late summer, early fall last year that the questions around Black Adam were starting to, to circulate. And, and was this going to be the giant hit? Was this the new movie that they could pin uh, the hopes of their cinematic universe on with with uh, with you know Dwayne the Rock Johnson, who has a who's had who has had a great run, a great track record, and would would his approach, would his take on this, would it matter? And and along the ways, it was very funny because it it became part of the the press and the, what you call the fodder, the stories around the movie was you know was Dwayne Johnson trying to maybe assert himself as as the new guiding light of the DC universe. This is prior to them hiring James Gunn. Well, we all know that Black Adam came out and did decent. It did decent in a time where expectations were everything and they were really hoping for a much bigger result for that movie. Uh, you, you, just, you don't have to go very far to look at the expectations that were pinned on Black Adam. Certainly, Dwayne The Rock Johnson himself was was very vocal in hoping that this was a new chapter. He he said something along the lines of this was going to be a big new deal for DC. It was actually fall of last year when the new Warner Brothers executives were in talks with a producer named Dan Lin, L-I-N. It's incredible that some of my friends in the business even forgot about this when I showed them the headlines from the LA Times, Variety, Hollywood Reporter, Deadline. They were deep in talks with Dan Lin. Dan Lin has produced a bunch of movies that you love. He uh, he burst onto the scene with uh, his uh, executive producer, uh, his, I'm sorry, his producer credit on The Departed. Uh, he then d- produced both Sherlock Holmes movies, 
the Lego movie, which was a monster breakout, and uh, and and it, the it movie, which made all sorts of, and, and obviously the sequel, which made all sorts of money for Warner Brothers. They had been talking to Dan Lin about taking over DC to steer it in a new direction, to get it away from uh, just just. I think the the quandary, the puzzle, the morass, fill in the blank that they had found themselves in. It, 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 there was there was not legitimate movement in the direction that everyone had hoped, despite some breakout hits along the way. The 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 you know 2017 Wonder Woman movie, the 2018 surprise success of Aquaman during the holidays of 2018, certainly uh, bringing back the the. The, the Snyder cut for the Justice League got them a lot, made them a lot of noise, and was, you know, seemed to be very successful at the time of its release because that was during our pandemic period and streaming things were kind of, uh, uh, you know, where everything was headed, and that gave them giant content and four hours of of brand new exciting material which they then promoted. Now, look, I'm, I'm I was going to do this a little later, but I can just do, the, just do this right now in regards to to to. Zack Snyder, I am on record with multiple podcasts. If you go back through uh, the library of Rob's observations and go back through the past episodes, I have devoted hours upon hours upon praising the work of Zack Snyder. I'm a giant fan. From Dawn of the Dead, ironically, from a script by James Gunn, which we can touch on again, refresh, your, refresh again the connections between these two. But then everything that followed, 300, Watchmen, Man of Steel. Uh, I, I'm just a huge Zack Snyder fan. I think he's a great filmmaker, great storyteller, uh, an innovator. But at some point along the line, and I mentioned this in our last episode, I mentioned this in the Marvel-focused first part of this, that I believe a crucial mistake that was made by the Warner Brothers management at the time, which I believe is the Hamada, uh, you know, executive branch of Warner Brothers when 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 Walter Hamada was was running things. They just uh, would not bite down on a dedicated Man of Steel sequel. There was a lot to build on. The grosses on Man of Steel were very strong. No, they weren't the Avengers. They weren't, you know, equivalent to Batman, which is what they were very much hoping. But they should have doubled down on the things that people loved. Henry Cavill. Uh, uh, You know, all the supporting cast. Amy Adams. There was so much to build on with that movie and and continue and and build out Superman in the same way that Iron Man 1 and 2 built out Robert Downey Jr., gave him room to breathe, expanded him. But there was a rush to build, you know, to build a bigger, a big, a, a bigger and better mousetrap to, to better catch Marvel with. And so Batman Superman was hatched. Now, ironically, I love, I freaking love Ben Affleck as Batman. He is my favorite Batman on screen to date. The depiction of him as Batman by Zack Snyder to me is the most winning combo, the most realized Batman from page to screen that we've seen. I love Christian Bale. I loved him as Bruce Wayne. I enjoyed him very much in his Batman persona. I just think I prefer Ben Affleck's movement, costume, uh, his just physical uh, embodiment of 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 the Batman identity more. Look, I've, I've, I've gone on record several times here. I believe visuals matter the most in a visual medium. You know, go figure, go figure. Visual Visuals matter the most in a visual medium. It worked for Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Boba Fett. I've gone on record with, you know, the masked characters that we immediately identify with, whether it's Snake Eyes, whether it's 
you know, uh, Deadpool, Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2099, Miles Morales, Darth Vader, you know, anybody in the Mandalorian who has a mask. And we immediately, I mean, the Star Wars movies just really play on this, but it goes as far back as Speed Racer, Racer X. We just love these cool visuals. We immediately spark the way these people look, and then we want to know more stories about them. So for me, Ben Affleck just looked the best, worked the best. So even though I believe it was a mistake to immediately slot a Batman movie alongside a, uh, alongside a Man of Steel movie, I felt that uh, Man of Steel should have gotten his own fully realized second sequel that expands on Clark Kent, his role in this world, and expanded on the vision that Snyder you know, started. But we got the Snyderverse out of that. And look, without Zack Snyder, uh, who is great at casting, uh, we don't get Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman, and which brings us to the 2017 Wonder Woman film, which I think is an, just a fantastic movie. I think Wonder Woman 2017 is five stars, great entertainment, loved it, seen it many times. And, and, I, and, and so, I mean, again, because he cast Gal for Superman Batman, we got a great, amazing version of Wonder Woman. But the Snyder verse, the Snyder fans, of which I consider myself one, okay? So, so uh, it, 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 uh, it became a very tumultuous relationship because things with Zach obviously went awry during Justice League, replaced by Joss Whedon, and that seemed to set off a series of misfires, which then culminated in this search for a new head of, of DC Films. And again, you, you get Dan Lin, who is right there, a guy who has made some terrific movies, big movies. It was a blockbuster for Warner Brothers, both of them. Uh, so, you know, all of these movies he's, he's attached to. If, if I am not mistaken, I believe Dan also has the Godzilla movies on his, on his resume. Uh, at least one of them, I, I believe. So, so, oh, Godzilla, King of, King of Monsters? Yep. You know, he's, he's, uh, He's done a lot of really made a lot of really successful movies, which means he's made a lot of money, which means he's his instincts are are something that they appreciate at Warner Brothers. But it came out in all of the different trades, Deadline, Hollywood Reporter, Variety, that talks broke down over money. And I imagine that somebody as successful as Dan Lin was like, if I'm going to do this and go into the lion's den with DCU Films, which has two warring factions, uh, the Snyder fans and then, I guess, standard DC fans and then the unknown component, just like in politics. You got your two parties, your Republican and your Democrats, but it's independents that win elections. Well, maybe it's the independents that, that, that give Marvel and DC their wins at the box office. The undecideds who go, you know what? I don't really have a certain loyalty to these characters and these brands, but that looks good to me. What I just saw, I'm, I'm going to respond to, and I'm going to show up, and I'm going I'm to you know, buy a ticket for me, my family, and add to that, that, that movie's gross, and boom, then you have a blockbuster hit. That's called Four Quadrants. You got them all. You got everybody. You got all the different age groups. The four quadrants, you know, deal with men, women, uh, in, in all their different age brackets. But I'm talking about getting the 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 casual. If you can get the casual uh, viewer to show up for your movie, then you are likely going to win. You know, win that bet, win that gamble. So Dan Lin exits, and then in October, I believe it was October around twenty twenty second, uh, they hire James Gunn and Peter Safran. Obviously, we all know James from his tremendous Guardians of the Galaxy, Galaxy success and coming off a very buzzed about uh, Peacemaker series on Max and a fantastic effort in the Suicide Squad sequel, which, 
again, came out in that weird, it's streaming and it's in theaters at the same time. So the box office was difficult to really assess in, in regards to how, how would it have been received if it wasn't streaming on my iPad that same weekend. I was on vacation in Maui with my family and they had all gone to bed and I flipped up on my iPad and I clicked stream and boom, I was off to the races and I watched Suicide Squad on an iPad first. I then went to the theaters because I loved it so much and watched it when we got back in in a theater back here in Southern California. But um, look, James Gunn is immensely, ridiculously talented and he is a great hire. I just do know that the fear of running the DC Universe uh, chased a lot of people off. There's some producer friends I have. One, in fact, I won't name him, but I had plans. We still have plans. We have uh, things that we're doing together. And I called him up and said, hey, are you going to be doing the DCU stuff? You can tell me right now because, you know, then we can just kind of separate and, and go somewhere else because there's no way you're going to be able to give my stuff the same, you know, attention that it needs if you're doing that. He said, Rob, I've I've turned it down. And... There, there were a number of people who just didn't want to wander into that. I keep calling it the lion's den because it is. Uh, comic fandom has found its voice. It's found its footing in social media. And again, when something that I thought, you know, was doing so well in terms of, again, the first week grosses of Man of Steel outgrossed the entire box office of uh, Superman Returns with Brandon Routh. That kind of told you you were on the on the right track and there was something to build for. But there was definitely that weekend, you guys, I was pumping gas in Las Vegas because we pulled in uh, for a basketball tournament. And I took my kids, my wife, we all, there's a theater in Las Vegas. We all parked it right when we got into town, went and saw Man of Steel, you know, got out of the heat. We, 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 we weren't checking into our hotel yet. We let that air conditioning just, you know, wash over us and we watched Man of Steel from beginning to end. My kids loved it. I loved it. But I am pumping gas about seven o'clock that night. I've left to go run errands and, you know, we've, we've had this long trip, so I better refill. So it's just me, but I'm watching on Twitter as other comic book professionals are yelling at me. <laughs> They're yelling at me for my love of Man of Steel. And I'm like, ooh, this is, this is, this is where it starts. You know, it's not going to be easy. There are some long tenured Superman scribes who wanted their important voices to be made known. This is not my Superman, they said, cane and, uh, you know, wheelchair in, in hand. This is not my Superman. Well, it's my Superman. My, my kid's Superman. I remember talking to Robert Kirkman, Man of Steel, uh, especially that last act. It felt like Invincible. It felt like the Invincible comics. It felt like Invincible battling Omni-Man because the Invincible comic by Robert Kirkman, Ryan Otley, uh, Corey Walker. Love you, Corey. You're the best. Uh, if I said it in order, it would be Robert Kirkman, Corey Walker, and Ryan Otley. That's the trifecta that gave us this incredible Invincible uh, story. And again, now that it's animated, you can see. You can see it, it's got that level of violence, that level of of engagement, of action, of devastation, entire buildings falling. I mean, two gods, you know, going at it, wiping out a skyline. Uh, but, oh no, you know, he killed Zod, who I've gone back a million times. Zack Snyder put him in a position where it was kind of like the only option, and Zod was a terrible, awful killer conqueror but it's like superman would have found another way maybe maybe not that day maybe because he really wasn't superman yet he was Superboy. you know henry cavill hadn't that's why the movie's called man of steel it's not called superman 
but we can have this argument till you know the cows come home a, f- a phrase my, my dad used to always say i'm not really sure what the cows come home means but i just i just said it for you to ponder <laughs> the same way that i did but uh you know we can have this argument we're not going to agree if you hate it you hate it if you love it you love it i love it that is where everything kind of went awry in my opinion they they should have just taken what what it wor- what worked and gone forward but they didn't so we're not going to waste any more time on what they could have should have done but now you've got James Gunn and 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 Saffron and they're and they're you know driving up in their new DCU uh, car with their new DCU responsibilities and all of fandom was truly very excited and waiting with bated breath to see what they would do how you know what directions that they would choose. But in the meantime, there was a bunch of these products that they had, products, films, stories that they had in the can. One of which was Batgirl, which became very controversial because, as we all know, Warners took a write down on Batgirl. We don't have to re, you know, uh, re- relive kind of that v- very disastrous scenario. But I'm going to tell you, there is a uh, really respected entertainment reporter who ha- is is very prominent with a uh, entertainment news site that I believe most people read. And last San Diego, the the Thursday. Of, of San Diego, no, Wednesday before before preview night, I was walking through the Gaslamp District. Uh, he called out to me, good buddy, love him to death. We sat and talked for about an hour about movies and, you know, gossip and what was going on. And he told me that uh, Batgirl, you know, was in danger, exactly what came to be. He said that some of the upcoming movies had some rough uh, test scores and that things were going to be bumpy for the next year for dc and and you know the one thing you learn about especially being in southern california especially being this close to so many people whose proximity is movies and entertainment people talk and they share and they know you know uh uh you know the 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 test screenings and the scores and the reshoots not a lot of that you know gets covered up a lot of it makes it out and you've all you've got all of your youtubers and your bloggers that immediately upon hearing anything go to the airwaves go to go to twitter go to all the different social media platforms and let you know of this but in all honesty last july this dude told me he forecast everything that was coming the difficulties that black adam would have the difficulties that flash has had uh the difficult fa- the difficulties facing everything except for the matt reeves you know rob pattinson batman so as as I'm doing this and having now seen The Flash, and I can tell you that I thought The Flash was uneven. I'm going to tell you my estimation of The Flash was that it was uneven. But that doesn't mean, like, I didn't find things to enjoy in it. I just, it is what it is. It's it's a movie that I felt uh, was slightly uneven and probably had some of the same issues that, that some of you did. But as I am recording this this morning, uh, an entertainment reporter that I really enjoy, Gitesh Pandia, uh, he has been reporting on this stuff for two decades and has a great website. Uh, says the Flash fell to 12th place in its fourth weekend with just 2.2 million, declining another 58%. A thousand more theaters dropped it this weekend, which means, again, they gave up their screens for something else, and that's a thousand less options to see the Flash. Uh, domestic box, o- box, box office is sitting at 105.2 million with a final set for 110 million below the 116 million of 2011's Green Lantern movie. Okay. I f- I shared that with you because that really paints a picture. 
uh, and, and and really it's 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 sad. And and Flash ultimately did not work, even though it was it had some some solid buzz. Um, and and people like James Gunn himself had told us that it was a really fun movie and that we were going to enjoy it. It had some great buzz coming out of CinemaCon in April, where they showed it in its entirety, and everyone seemed to report positively on it. But for whatever reason, it didn't connect. I am not going to sit here and dissect the Flash. That's not in my interest. The Flash has come and the Flash has gone. And ironically. When I was looking for someone to represent my Extreme Studios licensing back in 1992 and 1993, there was a licensing agent named Mark, and he took me out to uh, a restaurant up in Los Angeles, and it was myself, my sister, and and a buddy of mine, and then himself and his uh, partner in their licensing firm, and he said, what you don't want to have happen, Rob, is be The Flash, and he was talking about The Flash 1991 CBS television series, or maybe it was 1990. He said, Rob, the Flash came and the Flash went, and now no one will touch the Flash for the next 10 years. So it's very important that you protect your characters because when there's a bad taste, uh, you know, people back off and they won't touch that again for a decade. It's something that I, I really have, have, have let navigate myself over the years, pulling out of some deals sometimes, myself just speaking personally, because I realize that if a bad version of this makes it out, it will, you know, taint it and put a bad taste in people's mouth and i don't have the years and longevity as even back then as the big dc and marvel catalogs had so but he used the flash the flash came the flash went and now ironically in 2023 i feel like we are in the same zone the flash has come the flash is the flash came the flash went and we're going to just leave the flash where it is i'm more interested in what's coming next i know aquaman is coming out i know blue beetle is coming out I know Shazam was rocky, Black Adam was rocky, uh, anything else that that I haven't covered. Look, it's just what I was told last July that it was going to be a rough year. You know, kudos to my buddy, the entertainment reporter. He hit it on the nail. Do I hope that Blue Beetle does well? It's 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 got a Hispanic hero. Um, it, it it's going to appeal to an entire different demographic, which. 100% deserves a character, a hero to rally around. I hope it does exceptional. I think the cost and the budgets on that are more amenable to being successful and and and, and may not have to, um, you know, clear some of these giant hurdles. And look, it's the summer of 2023, Indiana Jones. I Googled it before I came on here. Unfortunately, there is no denying that it. the word bomb is next to Indiana Jones more times than, than you would care to see. And it made me incredibly uncomfortable. And there's an argument that Indiana Jones is a character from a different era that we worshipped, you know, and, and, and really saw saw it peak in 1989 with the final chapter in the original trilogy with Sean Connery and, you know, the, the you know, the, when that movie came out uh, in 1989, it, it kind of was this perfect three-movie uh, trifecta and it went off with a bang and they rode off into the sunset and uh, you know it, it, it seemed like a perfect perfect ending then 18 years later they gave us a sequel with the Crystal Skull and then 15 laters from 15 years after Crystal Skull they've given us Dial of Destiny I enjoyed Dial of Destiny I enjoyed it do I think it changed cinema no was it a good couple of hours at, at the box office yes it was but it was an 80 year old man and I know that my kids given an opportunity to join me and and and, and my wife and, and and ride on dad's coat like my credit card to go see a picture for free did not they didn't well, pass pass stay at home no thanks so joy and i went by ourselves we thoroughly enjoyed it but at, at a buddy of mine saw it and says oh you know harrison ford looked 
looked uncomfortable. And I said, no, he looked old. He looked like the 79-year-old he was when he was making the movie. Uh, but the bottom line is, like the spirit, like the phantom, like the shadow, it, it would appear that Indiana Jones' best days are far behind him. Now, I bring that up because some of what I believe is the great savior for the DC universe is the big challenge that James Gunn is about to uh, you know, set for himself with giving us a brand new Superman. Obviously, I am of the camp, given how much I love Man of Steel, given how much I love Henry Cavill, that I wish that he had not been dealt out of the deck. Um, I also wish I was a foot taller. I'm not going to be a foot taller, and Henry Cavill is over as Superman, at least for now. And we are uh, entering in this new era, and James Gunn has taken it upon himself that he will write and direct. Uh, he has written the script. He's going to direct it. It says early next year, and they are going to try and uh, reestablish a brand new DC universe and do it once again on the back on the back of uh, Superman. You know, absolutely riding the the success and potential. You know, literally the potential of Superman in getting it right this time. So, so it's like 2013 all over again when Man of Steel came out, and yet now it's it's going to come through the creative lens and spectrum of James Gunn, who we've already established is ridiculously talented. And as we mentioned in the first part of this with Marvel, Guardians of the Galaxy will go down as the most successful superhero movie you know, of the summer of the last year. It is closing in on matching the 2017 Guardians of the Galaxy 2 box office, which is no simple feat given the post-pandemic era and the difficulties that theaters are having and the the comp- competition that streaming has, has represented. Guardians in 2017 didn't have the same challenges. It, it wasn't up against all of these giant streaming platforms. Disney Plus hadn't launched. Max hadn't rebranded. The Peacock Network didn't exist. Paramount, with all of its Tyler, I'm sorry, Taylor Sheridan, you know, Yellowstone, which which gets monster ratings, which means people are at home watching that stuff. All these platforms did not exist in this current state, and certainly the money that has been poured into Amazon was not there in 2017 with some of their big lavish productions. There are way many more, way, way more reasons to stay home and not go to the theater nowadays. And I say this having now seen three movies in one week since I got back from my European vacation. And I am really rediscovering my own love of the theater after having not gone to see um, many of these recent movies. So, So the big ask is for James Gunn to take that Guardians of the Galaxy juice, the same juice that he put into Guardians 3, which is going to make it one of the top earners of the entire summer. I, I don't know how it doesn't at least settle into the number two movie of the summer, given that that it is possible Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1 is ends up being tops because of our absolute adoration of Tom Cruise, uh, of, of Christopher McQuarrie, of their incredible collabor- collaborative, you know, Endeavors because all of their Mission Impossible movies and Top Gun was fantastic, and the Mission Impossible franchise is is now one of the most celebrated in cinema. It's really found itself and has accelerated with each and each and every chapter. I think no matter what, Guardians finishes probably the number two movie of of the summer and and maybe top five for all of uh, twenty twenty three. 
James Gunn has got his work cut out for himself. Just this last week, he mentioned that his Superman, when he got uh, David Cornsweet to to uh, when he when he it was while I was on vacation that that it became official that David Cornsweet uh, or Cornsweet, I'm just looking at Cornsweet uh, has has won the role. Extremely talented, extremely handsome. My, my my son had watched the the Hollywood show and and, and had had known uh, very much who he was. Uh, he does bear a very strong rec- resemblance to a young Henry Cavill, but they are saying now he's going to be 31 years old in this movie. A couple of the things that I think that have to have to be the focus of this new Superman have to 100% be the focus of this new Superman, because if you when I go back to that pumping gas in Las Vegas and the established. DC writers who had done Superman, that's not my Superman. He's so violent and ill-tempered and he's not the best of us. Uh, <laughs> they didn't have British accents, but that's how I heard it. But no, they were mad. What are you saying, Rob? Why are you why are you praising this movie so much? I mean, it was instant shame. Instant, like, how can you like this? This violent Superman. Uh, I liked it. I dug it. I loved it. I full-throated loved Man of Steel. I love Superman. I've, I've gone on record. He's my favorite superhero. He's easily my favorite DC superhero. So if if I have skin in the game, it's emotional. It's emotional. I love this character. I desperately want him to see, see him done well. I believe James Gunn can pull this off. Uh, I think he's clearly going to be trying for something more aspirational. I, I think he's going to look at the tea leaves, see how the res- response to Man of Steel was, and maybe back off some of the overt aggressiveness uh, and 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 uh, reckless violence that was depicted in there. I loved Zod. Okay, I loved that showdown. I loved the bad Kryptonians. It just this 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 movie really hits hits my sweet spot as as I have shared with you guys many times. But I think Gunn is going to go for something more aspirational. I, we thank God we don't we're not going to get an origin story. We don't need an origin story. We all know Superman came from Krypton. Full stop. Boom. If you go back to his very creation uh, by Siegel and Schuster, okay, you've got two Jewish comic creators who absolutely uh, you can see remnants of their faith instilled in Superman, who is by every I mean, come on, by every measure a messianic figure. He is a Christ-like figure in his in his inception. He comes from above. There's the Moses aspect that he is, uh, you know, put in a basket and sent down the Nile only to, you know, fall into into Egypt. There is the there is the Christ aspect that he is the chosen son, the chosen one to be, you know, rocketed, you know, to earth from from on high. I mean, Siegel and Schuster really packed some great and tremendous imagery into Superman. And I'm not sure that it's ever been fully uh, milked for all of its aspirational attributes. And and I, I just get a feeling that Gunn is going to take some big swings here and try and say something with this movie, especially in the world that we live in, where we are so uh, divided, where, where uh, it's, again, a world where we are just to focus on our differences all the time rather than what unites us because focusing on our differences drives division and division drives ratings and ratings are money 
and you can sell more stuff when people are so worked up that they can't turn the TV off and they need to be watching the news 24-7. And then that is about as societal a uh, commentary you're going to get out of this. But I believe a figure that could unite us all and get us all to look up in the sky and hope and cheer is is what James Gunn is going to is going to is going to attempt. I truly do. I truly believe that is the Superman that he is going to put on screen. And um, Mr. Cornerswatch certainly has uh, a very pretty face that we all will not mind looking up to and cheering. And uh, if the threat is there and he has to arise and be clever and be smart and think his way through it in in a way that shows us uh, how truly brilliant Superman can be, not just brawn, not just strength, all those things are attributes that he has and can use. But uh, if the threat is there and he can stand up for us as a world, not just America, because he's not just America's superhero, he serves the entirety of the world, uh, I, I think I think he can have an aspirational hit. There were aspects of the J.J. Abrams screenplay, and if I've never mentioned it before, when I met with J.J. Abrams in 2003, 2004, he picked my brain. He wanted to know if some of the ideas that he was doing with Superman, given that at the time I think I was the most versed super comic book person that he had you know, met, he asked me all manner of different things. There was a concept that he called me up one night, J.J. Abrams, yes, that J.J. Abrams, called me up and said, hey, Rob, let me, let, me, let me ask you, has there ever been a story that revealed, now again, he's asking me this in 2003, 2004, has there ever been a story where Jor-El had scouted Earth, had physically vis- visited Earth, like in advance to know where his son was going? And I said, no, no, that doesn't exist. He, had, he has not done that. He has not physically traveled and and uh and and walked among us as we were aware at the time to make sure that you know where where his son was headed the coordinates you know that it would be safer that he had an anticipation of where his son was going to land uh those were along the lines of some of the stuff that he had asked he asked me if if the s had always been just a symbol for Superman or, or if it was part of an alphabet or if it could be a, a hieroglyphic. I mean, it, J.J. was really into it. His script, I felt, post 9-11 was the most rah-rah, semi-patriotic. There was a scene in J.J. Abrams' uh, screenplay towards the end and it was like right out of Top Gun except have Maverick and all of his, you know, fighter jets in the air flying over Washington, D.C., which is the, the monument is... Um, the the. The Washington Monument is crumbled. It has been damaged in, 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 a, in a first skirmish. And Superman is flying towards us with the flag on a giant pole. He is flying it into battle. It was a, extremely inspirational. It had some great Lois Lane and uh, Clark Kent back and forth dating, g- going back to where they first met and, and, and some of their um, kind of uh, relational foreplay. I loved it. I loved the script. I was able to read it. I was super inspired by it. Alas, it did not come to be. They went with Superman Returns, the Kevin Spacey, Brandon Routh, Brian Singer movie. Instead, I, to this day, would love to have seen the J.J. Abrams version. It was more aspirational than than either Returns or Man of Steel. But again, I love Man of Steel. I loved the decisions that it made and the path that it was pursuing. But I think this time out, this is what we're going to get. We're going to get this aspirational. And if you Superman, and if you get this guy right, and if you address the hero that we all need the, him to be, and and somebody uniting us all. Look, I watched the uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger documentary. Arnold was a big figure of mine growing up, a big action hero, a big comedian, just a giant star. If you watch the three parter on on Netflix, 
Uh, again, I encouraged my boys to watch it, and they were blown away. They really weren't that familiar with Arnold Schwarzenegger, but having followed him, followed him through his athletic, you know, bodybuilding, and then his and then his acting career, and then of course his political achievements, they really wow got got to see what an impact he did have on the 20th century. Recently, Arnold, I think it was while he was promoting it, he said, I would love to get into politics. I can't run for president because I'm not born of this country. And that rule is what keeps Arnold from 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 stepping into the presidential ring, uh, which is different than him in his in his governor capacity. But he said, it's so easy. I can get everybody to vote for me. I see what everybody wants. Everybody wants somebody that's going to unite us. And it's not out there. You're not seeing it. And, and Arnold said, I could I could unite us. I take that aspect and I put that on a Superman. And if James Gunn puts a Superman that can unite us, which is no small feat, and it is a giant tall order. And here's the deal. Really, throughout his cinematic history, aside from the nuclear man, uh, and, and, and even in the nuclear man, the Superman 4, I think it was something about the, something for peace, the quest for peace. Is that, is that what Superman 4 was named? I'm just doing this off the top of my head. But the, through the Christopher Reeve movies, the Brandon Routh and the, and, the, and the Henry Cavill, really, we got a lot of Luther. We got some Doomsday. We got some nuclear man. And we got Zod. We've gotten Zod a couple times, and and then you add the times on on uh, w- w- during Smallville, Lois and Clark, whatever the Luther, the Kryptonians. Hey, what I haven't seen is the kick-ass Lex Luther in the purple and the green outfit that I dug so much as a kid, and then the cool what we call the superpowers armor that he got, and he and he and he was featured in in Crisis on Infinite Earths. George Perez drew the best version of this Lex Luthor. I'm tired of the Mark Zuckerberg, Elon Musk level Lex Luthor. And I certainly don't want that, you know, uh, I don't need any more of like the Kevin Spacey uh, kind of daddy Warbucks version of Lex Luthor. Give me a Luthor that's smart enough to get his own giant suit to take to the skies and punch Superman around. Give me that Luthor, the guy who's finally in the giant exoskeleton. Uh, give me Brainiac. Give me Brainiac who crashed here 10 years ago ahead of time and has all sorts of components that Lex Luthor's already downloading in anticipation of fighting Superman. This is the stuff that we want to see. Come on. Come on. You know you just got a little excited. Brainiac crashed here already. We've plundered his ship. We have revived him. We have coerced him into working alongside of us even though he's going to turn on us. And the Lex Luthor uh, that encounters this version, Corner Swat's Superman, is one that is not going to be scared about armoring up himself and taking the skies and battling back on this alien intruder. Because there is a part of Superman that we should that we should be scared of. The fact that he has an alien heritage. Okay? There's all sorts of stuff. I'm not going to give away the entirety of, of everything I love about Superman that I wish that was going to be done with him. But I'm going to acknowledge that I believe Superman is the way out. I understand that there's going to be other characters like maybe from the Authority and some of these other established characters are already going to roam around. That kind of takes me back a little because I'm such a pure Superman guy and I want my I want the Authority on its own. I love the Authority. It was the last great comic book of the last 20 years in my in my estimation. And I'm not talking about the Warren Ellis, Brian Hitch. Those were good, but the Mark Miller. Holy crap! That Authority stuff just blew me away. And I shoved it in the in the in the face. I, I talk about my kids all the time, but if I can get them to embrace something and dig it, and both my sons loved the authority, um, they dug it. I, I, I hold the authority that uh, that Mark Miller, Frank Quietly stuff. I hold that up with John Byrne 
Chris Claremont, X-Men, like level importance. So I love the authority. Do not get me wrong. I love the authority. I want to see them succeed. Give me a great Superman film first and foremost. Maybe we can glimpse the rest of the world and people watching Superman. I'm not going to, uh, you know, attempt to tell James Gunn how to do what he's going to do, but he has his work cut out for him. I do believe he is going to uh, be able to pull this off. I 100% believe James Gunn has the tools, has the mission, has the eye of the tiger, because to stick this landing would be something phenomenal. To get a Superman movie that everyone loved, that makes that upper echelon of the box office, that makes the future seem so bright, uh, and and to pull it in on a budget responsibly is going to be a giant feat. And again, the irony that Zack Snyder and James Gunn worked together on Dawn of the Dead and that it was a big, you know, a big swing, a big home run for both of them. Zack is a director. James Gunn is the screenwriter of of the just incredible Dawn of the Dead, which was a big feat to take on in the first place because that Romero stuff is, I mean, seriously, you know, those are the classics. Those are lauded. Those are important films. And to to do the the level of follow-up that they did together and then years later, you know, Zach would take his swing at uh, at Superman, and now and now James Gunn is up to bat. I wish them all the best. Nothing else that comes after matters to me. Just get Superman right. In the meantime, you've got the sequel to Batman, Pattinson Reeves. There's no reason to believe uh, that that all the people in the young and I know most people who love that movie were in the 20s, were in the the, the late teens, early 20s. That is their Batman. That's the Batman they want to co-op. They dug it. They liked it. They liked the tone, the feel. Um, Matt Reeves has every reason to believe that he is going to reload with the sequel. He's dropped all manner of hints of what it's going to concern, the different villains that are going to appear. And I just believe that Batman is the character. He has been the character for them since 1989, really since Frank Miller got him back in terms of publishing with Dark Knight Strikes, uh, Dark Knight Returns. That is what ignited the fire that led us to the Keaton movie, and then the Keaton movie worldwide bandwidth, you know, that that that, that signal boost. I've seen it with Deadpool. You can take something, and when, when the movie works, it is immediately worldwide, global. They've never looked back. Batman is the character. It is the uh, the old reliable. And and given that Pattinson's Batman is the most successful combo movie that they've launched in quite some time i have every reason to believe that sequel is a no-brainer it's it's happening in its own realm in its own world i i i i do believe adding another batman on top of that is something that they should probably be cautious about but they have had so many batman that uh i mean you guys realize since downey jr you've had bale you've had ben affleck and, and cinematically just just cinematically that then you've had Pattinson, and they went back to Keaton and Clooney in that same space if you put the Flash into the mix. So, I mean, in the same time you've gotten one Iron Man, you know, five Batman have cinematically danced around. Some are recalls, again, with Keaton and Clooney, but but just three bites at that same apple. Wrapping up, you know, uh, uh, Bale was on his second chapter, went to his third chapter when Avengers came out, exited the stage, Affleck comes in, exits the stage, Pattinson comes in. I mean, it just goes to show you they can get away with with a lot of experimentation when it comes to Batman because he is the he's the unicorn. He is DC's unicorn. But what will make them unstoppable is getting Superman to work. I wish James Gunn all the very best as he hopefully creates this 
aspirational version of Superman that can unite everybody, including you and me, the moviegoers, to cheer as much as I believe the the citizens of Metropolis are going to cheer when Superman rises above uh, his 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 burdens and his struggles to deliver the victory that we are going to very much need him when James Gunn's Superman reappears. You're like, but Liefeld, what about what about look? I think Flash is a great example of the fact that the Snyder universe has semi been wrapped up makes these, what did I say about Deadpool and, 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 and Captain America 4? Fans just want to know, are these going to matter? And my, my, my hedging of the bet is, yes, they are going to matter. So if the Snyderverse is really being downshifted and, and dismissed, fans kind of go, is this Momoa's last hurrah? Is this Gal Gadot's last hurrah? The Snyderverse is kind of being wrapped up. And if it doesn't matter, unfortunately, unless it's something just overwhelmingly spectacular, the movie-going public at large is going to sit them out, is going to sit these out. Movies are are expensive. They are time-consuming. They pull us away from our streaming addictions, our video games, whatever we're doing on our on our different social media platforms. So I think to focus on anything else other than what is coming and the new James Gunn, which is, you know, again, we're looking at two years down the line. Now, maybe Aquaman is the greatest, Aquaman 2 is the greatest superhero movie ever made. We don't know. We just don't know. Uh, but James Gunn has made it clear. He is going to be the forebearer. He's going to be the guy in that scene that I told you about from J.J. Abrams' uh, uh, screenplay. He's he's the guy flying, leading the American flag with all the fighter jets behind him. You know, he is he is flying Superman ahead of everything else because he knows how important it is. If they get Superman right, they can get so much else right. So I wish him well. That is, to me, the DC dilemma. A series predicted by my buddy on the streets of the Gaslamp District. District. Literally, we are about a about a week, 10 days from that being one year ago when he said, Batgirl, write down, Flash, problematic. You know, Black Adam, problematic. Shazam, problematic. All the, I mean, it all came true. It all came true. And uh, and so the new James Gunn won, won, the, won the derby. He and Peter Safran are, are, are running the show. Superman has to be a touchdown. I mean, just has to be. An absolute touchdown, and I believe, I believe they know it has to be a touchdown. They know what a giant hit it has to be. I love Superman. I'm rooting for them. I'm hoping that this restores everything and sets it, because unlike I did say, like Indiana Jones is like the Phantom and Shadow and some of these pulp characters now, but we are more forgiving than ever in regards to when I said the Flash comes and it goes away. We, we kind of have a, a a capacity to forgive every. Five to six years now. It's not a full decade that something has to go away. We're up for it. All these Batmans alone. And again, I don't even invoke all of the animated and all the television versions of these characters. Uh, because, of course, there, there's been, you know, Gotham. And there's been Alfred's show, whatever. <laughs> I mean, Alfred has a show. So I, I, I was going to make it the whole way through without mentioning it, but I mentioned it. Okay. So, uh, look. I think, the, I think thing, things are bright. I think the lessons that have been learned have been learned. I think the mistakes that have been made have been made. I hope everything course corrects. It's better for all of us. We all have a great time when we have that killer communal uh, you know, experience. But, you know, problem with Superman is Richard Donner, that when I was a kid and Superman decided he was going to turn the world, you know, re- reverse the axis and, 
and 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 go back in time and save Lois Lane. That's a big swing. You want to talk about a big swing? Superman had never done that in the comic books. To see that happen on screen was oh my gosh, incredible. He almost did his most incredible, impressive feat, and the two most perfect Superman and Lois Lanes of all time in Christopher Reeve and Margot Kidder. I mean, they 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 are a tough act to beat, and that looms large over everything. And so. Uh, we wish them well in their endeavors, and the DC dilemma, I don't think, is going to be a dilemma much, much longer. So good luck to James Gunn, and good young, good luck to the DCU. Well, we got that off our chest. We, we, we did movies. We talked movies. We talked box office. We talked summer 2023, and, uh, and really the, 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 the entire last year, the uh, ups and downs of comic book movies. So we did it. It wasn't as painful as I thought. I, I just... You guys get so many opinions on this stuff all the time, but I figured it was worth uh, it was worth looking at, worth forecasting, uh, chewing, chewing, chewing over a little. I really want to end this particular episode, wrap this up by by mentioning uh, a guy who I could talk about him every episode, and I and I don't talk about him enough. And his name is Jack Kirby, also called the King of Comics, Jack the King Kirby. A lot of discussion about him. Uh, there's a documentary on Disney about Stan Lee that got the Kirby family to react, and they uh, they wrote some letters. It got some coverage, and then 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 some other professionals came out, and there was some back, and there was some there, there was some back, and there was some forth, and there was some back and forth. Uh, I'm going to tell you, growing up with Kirby, growing up. Grabbing Jack Kirby books off the the spinner rack that I that I mentioned at the top of this show the the spinner racks I coveted and continue to covet and 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 in case I didn't mention it I I have spinner racks there's you know I'm just not seven anymore and I want to go back and I want to be seven and eight and nine and and get that wonder and get that discovery but when I was uh, coming up Jack was never off the stands and he was generally present with three comics each and every month. He was just wrapping up his time at DC Comics when I was picking up comics. And ironically, Fantastic Four was still being instructed to be illustrated like Jack did it. Uh, John Buscema, who picked up shortly after Jack left, there was a John Romita senior who who you mostly uh, associate with Spider-Man. He he filled in the breach real quick and he was told to draw like uh, draw like Jack. And then John Buscema came in and John drew like John Buscema. But I've I've read so many different interviews where he he was like I would just look at Jack, you know I I wanted to capture that Jack magic, but but Rich Buckler who I love immensely his work was the stuff that I connected with on on Fantastic Four his assistant George Perez who would go on to become George Perez, uh, both of these guys were trying to emulate Jack Kirby in 1974 1975 at this time, so it's ironic and the reprints of Jack's work were coming out in the in the Marvel comics. Uh, Marvel Triple Action was reprinting Jack's Avengers. Marvel's Greatest Comics was a comic book that was reprinting Jack's Fantastic Four. So Marvel was keeping Jack's work in perpetuity with their reprint line, which was robust. They had a robust reprint line. They'd throw new or uh, slightly enhanced versions of older covers and uh, sell them to kids like me who were hungry to get Two shots of the Fantastic Four, two shots of the Avengers at the time when those books literally only had, you know, one dedicated issue each. But the reprints w- would give you further adventures and make you, 
you know, open your eyes to the wonder of every, of everything that came before. But at DC, Jack was doing Commandy and he was doing OMAC and he was doing the Demon and he was wrapping those up. Then in 1975, he does 2001. I mean, continues the work of Stanley Kubrick, which I've discussed recently in, an, in a dedicated uh, podcast called Stan and Jack, but not that Stan, obviously Stanley, Stanley Kubrick. Then that turned into Machine Man, and it was alongside Jack's Captain America work, which he came back to in 1975 uh, through roughly all of 1976, the entire Bicentennial kissing right through to 1977. He was doing the Black Panther. He was uh, doing Devil Dinosaur, launched Devil Dinosaur in 77. Machine Man, Devil Dinosaur, Black Panther, 2001, Captain America, The Eternals. He launches The Eternals. Reason I bring this up is uh, Captain America, so many people forget uh, that has nothing to do with Stanley. Stanley may have written stories of him, but Captain America exists because of Jack Kirby and Joe Simon. That is why Captain America exists. Captain America uh, pre-exists the entirety of the Marvel Universe, just like the Challengers of the Unknown uh, predates, pre-exists uh, Fantastic Four. Jack was incredibly uh, prolific. And once he left Marvel, because he was just upset with all manner of different situations going on, uh, credit, pay, uh, just just greater greater responsibilities, accolades. Uh, he left and went and, and, and did all these books at, at DC. And before Omak and Commandy and The Demon, it was Jimmy Olsen. It was Forever People. It was The New Gods. It was Mr. Miracle. Guy was a titan of productivity. I, I did the math. And, and, and again, when you get down to 60 times 12 plus covers, I mean, you're, you're looking at 700 pages post Marvel Comics. This guy never slowed down when he comes back. He does the same. He comes back in the, again, the mid 70s, returns to Marvel, does all of these uh, jobs that I'm telling you, continues to do covers for the Defenders, for the Champions, for the Avengers, for the Fantastic Four, for Ghost Rider, uh, the guy for Hulk. He is doing covers right and left and center and uh, just, just delivering the goods all the time, every time. And Black Panther, Jack was writing and drawing on his own. Uh, Captain America writing and drawing on his own, continuing his own legend, again, which predates any, you know, artistic collaborations with Stan Lee whatsoever. The Eternals, completely Jack's creation. Uh, Machine Man, completely Jack's creation. Machine Man's been bouncing around the Marvel Universe ever since. And for those people who really want to uh, sidestep and, and, and put him as some sort of kind of secondary position to Stan Lee, let me tell you, don't do that. Don't make that mistake. Uh, I've made it very clear in dedicated episodes about Stan and Jack and about Stanley himself on this Rob Observations podcast because it's worth diving into. But I try and I try, I've made it clear without vitriol because trust me, you guys, I, I've told you, I have been on Jack Kirby memorial panels where people just go off, they go crazy. And, they, and, 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 and the name of Stan Lee just, just causes these people to, to seethe red. Somebody told me that in my very, I felt very balanced, uh, Stan, uh, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby podcast from a couple of years ago. Uh, someone said, you, you gave Stan Lee too much credit. And, and if you listen to it, I, I give him minimum credit. I, I think, look, Stan Lee was the DJ. And what does the DJ, a DJ need up in the booth to spin those records and to keep people dancing? He needs, he needs albums. He needs albums. He needs, he needs, you know, 
singles, 45s, records. Uh, Jack and, and Steve Ditko and Wally, would, these guys would make make the albums and nobody spun them better than, than Stanley. He was the ultimate D- DJ. He was the ultimate Marvel DJ. I've compared him numerous times to uh, Ryan Seacrest of American Idol, which there has not been an American Idol without Ryan Seacrest. There's been plenty of American Idols without Simon Cowell now, without Paula Abdul, without Jennifer Lopez, without, uh, you know, Steven Tyler. Remember all the different people that have moved through now were in the Katy Perry, you know, uh, phase of, of, of American Idol. But the one thing American Idol has never been without is Ryan Seacrest. He is the host. This is American Idol. This is Marvel Comics is what I said. Uh, I really believe the most important thing Stan gave to Marvel Comics was his ability to spend the records, was his ability to be the DJ. So just wanted to point out Jack Kirby, just, just incredibly prolific post any collaborations with Stanley whatsoever. And uh, it matters. It matters that you follow the trail when, when, a, when a talented couple splits, uh, you know, maybe watch what happens when, 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 when a duo is split up and, and, and follow the trail uh, uh, of the talent that continues to be not just prolific, but pushes the envelope and expands. And, and somebody who says, well, well the, the, none of that stuff is media. No, none of the, the stuff. No, it, it sure is. Jack, right now on Disney Plus, there's a devil dinosaur. That's a Jack Kirby creation, 100% of Jack Kirby creation. Devil dinosaur uh, is, is a cartoon on Disney Plus. Eternals, last time, last time I looked, uh, got a $200 million movie. Now, did I love it? Did I think it was terribly reflective of all the things that Jack excelled at? No, but it doesn't matter. It exists. It got, it got its up at bat. And we, we don't know that we haven't seen the last of those characters throughout the MCU and maybe, maybe greater adventures to come. Maybe something that reflects the comic book more, um, more, more, more in, in its purest sense. But, and then there's Captain America, which you can't get around. Captain America, Bucky, Red Skull, all those things are, uh, a product of Jack Kirby's incredible uh, creativity. There is there is no other artist that if that if I need to get rejuvenated, I just grab anything he's done, anything, I, any of the books I've just mentioned to you, plus his Fantastic Four, his uh, Sky Masters, his Thor, anything prior to the split, post the split, uh, the Pacific Comic stuff, the Silver Star work, the Captain Victory, Victory stuff. We've talked about it here. All of it inspires me equally. It's bold. It's courageous. It's dynamic. Uh, it, it's got designs that'll blow your mind that you just go, how, how does one man uh, envision all of these, to borrow a line from Jack Nicholson in, in Batman, all of these wonderful toys? How does somebody envision and create all these wonderful toys? So just a little, little, little plug, plug in here. You can't say enough and experience enough Jack Kirby in your life. You just cannot. Uh, he deserves to be uh, better examined. Uh, again, he died. He he passed away uh, a good decade before the Marvel explosion cinematically. And let me tell you, as I've said many times, and and I've told my wife, uh, had he survived, he would be beloved. He, you would hear his voice in your head. You would have um, embraced him equally, if not more so. Okay, just something to think about. Hey, at the end of each and every episode, we read your comments and your reviews. And you know why we do that? Because they're so important to us. You you are really uh, sustaining this show with these amazing reviews that you leave for us. And they are so uh, just always heartwarming to read because 
because it, you you took time to write something out and send it and uh and and it's, and it's a show of support it helps separate us on the platforms uh podcasting is getting more and more crowded it's not getting less and less crowded um every 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 guy like me who thinks he can speak into a mic is doing so right now so it's it's there's a lot of clutter and uh, I just I just appreciate so much when you help us stand out and reviews like this help us stand out. And, and they're getting, you know, some of you are just getting really brief and to the point. This is from D. D. Rockalypse. Hey, D. Rockalypse. Come on. Is that that that's the handle of the week? D. Rockalypse left a lovely, very brief uh, review of uh, mentioning my episode on women in comics. Uh, that I did a few months back, uh, highlighting some of the most exciting uh, female talents that, that that made their way through the comic books industry uh, all, all throughout my youth, and and as I was breaking in, and some and, and many of them I was able to meet and and enjoy their work, and I, I talked extensively, gave them an entire dedicated episode. Uh, it says women in comics. Again, this is from D. Rockalypse. He gives us five stars. He says I loved the women in comics episode. Exclamation point. I for one. Would love to hear more parts in this series. I am going to continue to circle back and do more on the women in comics. Uh, when, when I did an entire episode on ElfQuest a couple years back, uh, the ElfQuest fandom really showed up, and I, I was shocked. Man, they they showed up on social media to really tell me how excited that they that, that, that there was a uh, spotlight turned on that brilliant work, which is done by Wendy Peeney. So I, I gave her her own episode. She's brilliant. Uh, ElfQuest is fantastic in the women in comics episode. Uh, cover a lot of a lot of different amazing talents. I, I, if you haven't listened to it, maybe uh, g- give it a listen. I appreciate all the support, and I appreciate this review, D Rockalypse. When you leave a review on Apple, uh, on Facebook, somewhere, there's they're all they're all over the place where you guys express yourself. I they they are they are sent to me, and I share them with you at some point. Generally, at the end of each and every episode, as I just did. So thank you. And thank you again, everybody, for listening to the show. Thank you for the kind words. Thank you for the support. Thank you for the uh, shout outs on social media. Uh, just cannot uh, tell you how much it means that you're following along and, and listening. And and I love when uh, I, I get a lot of notifications of, of several of you going and buying the books, the comics, the graphic novels that we discuss here. And that is so exciting because it means that you are uh, purchasing them from retailers, from comic stores, from comic outlets. And which which means you're 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 giving money to a great cause by buying those back issues and getting the physical you know representation of so many of these stories. So thank you, thank you so very much. I can't thank you enough. As far as being on social media, uh, I am on Twitter at Robert Liefeld. Just simple full name R O B E R T L I E F E L D. It's got a blue check. It's back. Uh, it's a, it's it's a, it's one of the great mysteries of life. It came back and found me. I am so excited to talk to you on Twitter. I love reading your mentions, your replies, your DMs. It's very exciting. Twitter to me is still where so much of the action is at. I've tried all the other platforms. I'll continue to try the other platforms because you never know when something is going to um, excel and take off. Uh, Twitter to me is my my favorite in, ter- in terms of discussion and, uh, and, and sharing news and excitement and promotions. And that's where you'll find me at Robert Liefeld on Twitter. Give me a follow. Uh, I, 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 I would love to hear from you. On Instagram, I am at Rob Liefeld. Another blue check. Why does the blue check matter? It matters because it says that it's really us. It's not an imposter. On Instagram, I am at Rob Liefeld. Um, my, I've mentioned my adult children find my account semi-cringy. I don't disagree with them, but I just don't care. 
I'm just putting up pictures that I like, memories that I want to have, that I want to pin, that I want to look back at. It's my food. It's my travels. It's my art. It's my toys. It's my family. So um, again, I love reading your mentions, your replies, uh, just, just, just all the different messages you guys send me. Thank you so much for following me. I'm on Instagram at Rob Liefeld. Again, blue check Rob Liefeld Instagram, uh, blue check Robert Liefeld on Twitter. I've joined threads brand new. I'm Rob Liefeld over there on Facebook. We have a group. I'd love for you to be a part of it. So much of the discussion that we have here continues there. Really fun. We get to go deeper, uh, dive, dive uh, further into each and every topic. Uh, we have art contests. We share comic signatures, just different stuff, uh, stories, encounters. Uh, Rob Liefeld, Marvel Extreme and Beyond is the group. It's a group. Search Rob Liefeld, Marvel Extreme and Beyond, and you will um, get be given an opportunity to join either myself or a gentleman named Terry Sala, S-A-L-A. I love Terry. He and I are the co-administrators. We will click you on through to the other side and you can join with us. Uh, the community's growing. It's uh, it's a young group, but we're growing and, and, and we're growing at a great rate and we'd love to see you over there. Again, things go much more personal. Uh, I try to reply to each and every one of you when you guys show up over there. So Rob Liefeld, Marvel Extreme and Beyond is where you can find me over on Facebook. Currently, as I as I record this, there is about two and a half weeks left for you to be part of my CGC private in-house signing. Something funny happened between the last two episodes. Uh, there were Deadpool leak set photos from the set of Deadpool 3, and suddenly it was like Deadpool 3 was activated. People cared. Wow, what do you know? They're making a movie just like they said they were. Picture, it didn't happen is my joke because it really, um, seeing pictures got people excited and then people said hey i've decided i'm going to send books in get those books in you're going to want them you're going to want to have all of your deadpool stuff signed right now at these price platforms with this uh uh uh, offer through cgc go to cgc look for the rob liefeld private signing click down follow the menu follow the prompts get your books in prepare your books and get them in they have to be in by july 23rd i'll be flying to the cgc headquarters and uh, they'll be filming me. Uh, maybe I'll be signing your stuff on camera. You just never know. I can't wait to see what you, you're going to send me. My Youngblood, my Captain America, my New Mutants, my X-Force, Deadpools, uh, whatever it is, Profit. I look forward to seeing what you are going to send in. You can get the Liefeld label. There is a dedicated, exclusive Rob Liefeld label created just for this event. I hope, very much hope that you partake in that. That's what I'm going to be checking the box for. Of course, I'm bringing my own books. I, I love slabs. I love having slabs. I like getting high grades. as. I uh, shared this with you, and, and I'll segue from the CGC. So my CGC private in-house signing is, is happening, and you have to get your books in by July 23rd. Do not miss out on this opportunity. I encourage you to uh, to get on that as fast as you can. Now, in terms of high grades and slabs, another place you can find me, I would encourage, join me on Whatnot. Whatnot is a kick-ass app. You may have heard of it. It is a collectible app. It is burning up the collectible space for toys, for uh, for sports, gear, memorabilia for Funko Pops, for comic books, modern comics, Bronze Age, Silver Age. Uh, I'm over there at Rob Liefeld. Follow me as Rob Liefeld on whatnot. Download the app, search Rob Liefeld. There I am. We have a great rating because we uh, we really service our customers to the best of our, our abilities. We get our stuff out fast. Um, that's why the reviews are so positive. I go live roughly twice a week if you if you follow me you'll get a notification if i'm on a friday or a saturday or a wednesday those are the the most popular days that 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 i pop up and again we 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 try and keep it at least two weeks 
it is like an extension of this podcast. I am talking to you right into the camera the entirety of the show the other night. We came back. We did a two-hour show. It was locked and loaded, uh, pretty jet-lagged from from all this traveling around Europe. So we, we kept it re- really tight at two hours, but it was great to see everybody. We had an overwhelming, the most people we've ever had show up on the whatnot uh, uh, live stream. But when I go live, it to me, talking to you, we have a team of guys uh, off to the side while, while we're while, while we're doing the live stream. They're servicing, recording what you are going to um, purchase of all the stuff that we share. We share signed comics, signed Funko Pops, toys, action figures, and original art. So join me on whatnot. Follow me, Rob Liefeld. You get those notifications when I go live. The reason I was going to bring this up is we had a guy who just today shared that he got three because he picked the CGC option because there is that option to go through CGC through us on whatnot. It's not the CGC July 23rd date with the secret labels and all that stuff. I mean, the special labels, but we have a direct line in because I have a witness that works alongside of me, uh, Key Collectibles, Dave Hong, and a guy got three, three of his purchases were nine eights. We give a ton of high grades. People get really high grades from us. We know how to handle the books. People freak out, but so often the books that I'm handling uh, on camera uh, end up getting those amazing nine eights. So we are getting high grades. One guy, three nine eights. I do all manner of different custom chisels. Uh, you'll find out what a chisel is, a drop shadow chisel, a blood splatter chisel. Um, we do all sorts of custom remarks, signatures, uh, like I said, artwork on the whatnot live streams. Join us on whatnot, follow me and you'll get updates when you can find me. Wow. We've covered it. Twitter, Instagram. I even threw in my, my threads, Facebook, whatnot, the CGC, Deadpool, Batterblood. Number two is in stores the week of July 19th. Do not miss it. Wow. Thank you for listening to this show. Thank you for hanging out with me. Thank you for, you know, uh, uh, giving us your time. And thanks for all the feedback that you continue to give us. Uh, you know that the, at the end of every episode, I will never, ever not wish you all the very best and hope that your emotional health your mental health, your physical health, and your spiritual health um, are strong and are where they need to be. Uh, get that relaxation. Get that time. It's summer. It's summer. Get out there. Have a bratwurst. Have a slice of pizza. Have a cheat meal. Don't let The Rock and Hugh Jackman be the only people having cheat meals. You have a cheat meal. Go have that lasagna, that 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 uh, that that you know plate of enchiladas with with black beans, with refried beans, whatever. But by all means, you know you got to work in some candy. You got to get a Reese's Pig big cup in there who knows it's been a while since they've stuck something new in those big cups it's like cocoa puffs in them right now there's there's cereal there was there's pringles there's 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 potato chips there's pretzels uh they're gonna start they're gonna start putting chicken in in, in those peanut butter cups <laughs> short ribs reese's peanut butters reese's peanut butter cups now with short rib you never know but anyway relax get a comic book take some time off Go, uh, go with your friends, go to the lake, go to the pool, go to the beach, walk on the pier, get some fresh air, get some time off. If you possibly can, you've got to value your time to get away from the grind. The grind is going to, um, is, 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 is going to wear you down. So re, re, reboot. I do it with escaping into stuff that I love streaming, sci-fi movies, comic book movies, comic books, graphic novels, omnibuses, absolute editions. I love the art form. It just, it, it, it just inspires me. So my wishes for you to get that break, spend time with family, friends, have great food, laugh. It's summer. This is the best time of year. That's what I think. That this is, it'll never not be my favorite time of year. And I am hoping that you are doing spectacularly. That is my wish for you. Please 
come back around. I'm going to be here. I'll be sitting right here waiting for you because we will most certainly, absolutely, and inevitably, we're going to talk again real soon.